Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this podcast series. And in today's conversation, we're continuing our discussion on the generations and specifically how different generations are unique, how they are the same, and specifically how can marketing and communications professionals tailor messaging? What should business leaders consider when addressing these vastly different groups of customers, employees, and stakeholders? You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Joining me today is Ivan Pollard, the leader of the Marketing Communications Center here at the Conference Board. Ivan, welcome. Thank you for having me, Steve. So Ivan, we've just done this series of recordings on the generations with a representative from each generation, from the silent generation, all the way down to Generation Alpha, which are the uh, even the newborns today are Generation Alpha. So it's been great fun doing them, but you've had a chance to listen in to all of them. And as well, you're a marketing expert, former CMO and, and all of that. So you've been dealing with these issues for a very long time. But talk about what you, you talk about your reaction to the recordings of the various generations. Well, first and foremost, it was really very uplifting to listen to the string that connects the time that goes across all of those people. They were different people from different generations of different ages, and yet to hear them talk about the same sorts of things but in different ways was really very illuminating. They're all humans, huh? Apparently so. And there's some connection with all those humans regarding, regardless of which generation. Without a doubt, and uh, you know, the illumination that those podcasts brought just in 30 minutes, you know, to just hear what the experiences were like for these people growing up, what was the same and what was different. It yeah. was uh, very useful. Okay, so you know, just some highlights on what was the same and what was different. Well, I think, um, I think the things that were, were the same that struck me, as you said already, everybody's a human. Their experiences are gonna shape the way they process information and they think and they talk and what their aspirations and their desires are um, and across the arc of time. So the thing that I thought was interesting, though, was that you could kind of picture that the older folks had al already lived through the generations of the younger folks. So even Evelyn, the Gen Alpha, you know, 10 years old, born in 2012, she was talking about things that, that Frank had talked about as, uh, as one of the silent generation, but in a slightly different way. So this notion that our human experience, the arc of your life and the connections you make and the things that are important to you, it was very interesting how similar those were. I, I don't know how you felt about it, Steve, but. Yeah, that was a surprise to me too, listening to it, that this, there were a lot of similarities, but there were some differences too. And the question for, well, first of all, you know, what, what were the differences? But then the question is, were they, you know, were they differences because of the uniqueness of the individual or where they lived and born or what they had experienced? How do you, what do you think? Well, I think three things stood out to me that when you got to listen to them back to back, so you got that thread that was joining them across, uh, you know, almost, uh, almost 100 years. Um, there were three things that stood out to me. The first was very obvious, which was their interaction with the media, with where they got information, where they got influence, 
where they got education. Um, you know, that thing definitely changed over the arc of time from trusting the local newspaper to, to deciding that, you know, you should be the voice of your generation on TikTok. That was one thing that I thought was different. Yeah. And we do, by the way, recommend that everybody listen to these six individuals who were representatives of their generation and just listen to their stories. We tried to ask very similar questions so that we could get their reactions, and it's just, it's just fascinating. So um, what were some of the surprises to you, as, you know, from any of, of the conversations? Yeah, I think there were two other differences that struck me. One was the evolving attitude to work. As you went from generation to generation to generation, jobs were still important, but the role that they played in the definition of the individual and their belief about what their life was amounting to, that subtly changed as you went through from, uh, from the silent generation to baby boomers to Gen X and all the way to Alpha. You could hear how they were talking about work in just a slightly different tone is the way I would put it. Yeah, would, would you say that maybe the older generations kind of work to live and the newer ones live to work? Uh, I think... Maybe the uh, other way around. It may, it, I actually think they both work to live and they both live to work. Interesting. I think, so say more on that. Well, I think um, there's a little bit about the economic situation that people were in and the need to be able to raise money um, and how that has changed over time. So the context in which the revenue generation part of a job was important has changed. Um, I do still think that even you go back and you listen to the baby boomers, you listen to Chuck and what he was doing with his working life was not that different from what the, uh, I don't know, the millennial Alex was talking about and what she wants from work. It just came in a slightly different balance of tones, if you like. So I thought that was changing. But it does say, you know, I think the, the people who, you know, need to work because they need to eat in each generation probably are more similar. But maybe, maybe you know, were, were we witnessing maybe just wealth creation, wealthier generations as time went on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as you and I have discussed before, you know, the baby boomers, uh, perhaps the wealthiest generation we, we have ever seen and may ever see. So, you know, the creation, their attitude and ethic for work and the creation of, of value and wealth around the world. And you just look across these generations, how the world has actually got better, less people in poverty, more people with access to education and medicine. It's a truth that you can go read a book. You know, there are books about it that you will you will study. So I do think that there are less people in that situation than before. So it was a less common experience about I have to have a job. I do think there's also more choice because we're also more educated these days and there are more opportunities. Um, and so I think some of the things you hear about Gen Z and the millennials and their approach to work are kind of things that were said about me when I came out of college and my approach to work. Um, yeah. Did I, was I going to work as hard as my granddad? Did I need money as much as my granddad? You know, wanted more flexibility. Was it willing? I wanted more flexibility. Wanted some balance. Yeah. yeah. I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to, you know, I'll find a job I love because then I'll never have to work again. You know, those sorts of things. So we were brought up with that. And I think uh, Gen Z are, are, are representing that too. Another thing that I thought subtly changed was that notion of flexibility and freedom. What freedom means to people. And, uh, and the scope of that freedom, what the world means to people. So 
when you listen to the millennials and the the, the Gen Zs, um, you know their concept of liberty was perhaps a little different than than what the silent generation and the baby boomers' concept of liberty was. What I could achieve. Yeah, and this notion of education, which you touched on, is is an interesting one because I think if you go, reflect on the conversation from the silent generation mm -hmm. about the greatest generation, so their parents. The greatest generation kind of took education as, you know, if you can do it, fine, but, you know, many of them dropped out in the sixth grade or the third grade, or if they're, you know, if they were on a farm, they didn't go at all. Um, and there there were colleges, of course, there was, but for very, very few. And I think today it's been more democratized, and, and we kind of heard that throughout the generations. Without doubt. I mean, it was really um, kind of humbling to listen to Frank talk about the silent generation and what education, the optimism that he voiced and the opportunity to get educated. And, um, and then you go all the way forward and it's almost like taken for granted, almost to the extent that we've gone, we're starting to go down the other side, that maybe education's not as important as we thought it was. And is it worth the money that it's giving? If you're Gen Z right now, you are questioning. Does yeah, college it, pay back? It's interesting because you're seeing more males in, in Gen Z sort of drop out and mm -hmm. not do uh, post high school work. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. You know, the other thing is social. We didn't it, we didn't get into this specifically, but you know, the social safety net has changed mm -hmm. dramatically. And you know, I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on how much that just takes sort of the um, you know the worry out of life because you know if you listen to the older generation it says i had to go i had to get to work i had to get a job because i had to eat i had to feed my family whereas now it's like yeah well you know and so but there are big safety nets so i wonder and, and we've done this deliberately as a society i wonder if that gives more freedom i think it does and maybe that's one of the benefits of the safety net and the entire infrastructure of uh of you know uh, modern democracies and governments that that's the way that we are wanting to bring entrepreneurialism creativity freedom liberty uh, maybe that brings it up but um yeah early on that that notion that um it, it was kind of almost it, i'm going to put it a bit bluntly but do or die you know yeah you, you had to get out there and you had to contribute and you had to make the money um and then you heard it subtly shift you know in 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 the baby boomers when when chuck was talking it was super interesting to hear him talk about opening up the possibilities and yet still having that worry about security um and now you look at you know security doesn't come up as an issue for gen z and, no uh, and, and you know th this point that you made about baby boomers being the richest generation ever and this is globally uh, there are differences globally but it is globally and and they're now saying that the millennials will will be the greatest beneficiaries mm. of that wealth and so for the first time you have a whole generation that I guess are like heirs I don't know well I, I think um, yeah we'll talk to Prince Harry about being there <laughs> and see how he feels about that but yeah there's a uh, we're not going to talk to Prince Harry just for the record we're, yes we're, sorry Prince Harry we'll take that back um, I do think there is this this kind of this sensibility among some of the generations that's with with this freedom comes a lack of responsibility because of this safety net either provided by the infrastructure of government or provided by their mum and dad and what they're going to inherit.
Right, but the you know the younger generations, it's you know, I, I, they're not saying oh, I've got to get a job. They're not talking about jobs anymore. They're talking about well, you know, I have the you know, I'm, I you know, I might do this with my life. I might do yeah. this, which is, you know, it's yeah, wow. It's just it's ability to dream. And I think that's a lovely thing. Yeah. I think we've given them the ability to dream, and as a result of that, I think we're getting one of the most creative, entrepreneurial, collaborative, connected communities where. The differences are less, and the possibilities are more. Connected, collaborative, creative. Something else beginning with C. You've got a lot of C's in there. Yeah. So any other profound moments for you from this I think um, listening to the, and we'll talk a little about this when we get into marketing, but listening to the events that shaped the way these people think. Ah. Uh, you know, I thought that was, whether it was, you know, landing a man on the moon, or whether it was the invention of the internet, whether it was 9-11, whether it was COVID, we have to acknowledge that there are shared events, that's the thing, shared events, that create a connective tissue between all of these people in a generation, that that can be something that marketers can tap into. Yeah, and then there's this, this thread of technology mm -hmm. that ran through them. Talk about that. Yeah, you, you look at I think we over-exaggerate this notion that generations are inept at some technologies. You know, you can get the facts and out there, baby boomers, 85% of them have got a cell phone, you know, uh, uh, Gen X, 90%, Gen Z, 95%. The thing that's fascinating, baby boomers spend more time on the screen than millennials do, um, because they've got more time on their hands, maybe. but. Uh, they're actually adept adapters of technology. The speed with which they adapt to it is the, the thing that differs. But you think there and think, you know, critical technology for a baby boomer was the telephone and the television. Critical technology for, for the millennial was, uh, was the cell phone and the laptop computer. Go forward, Gen Z, now we're going smartphones and, and, and gaming consoles, actually, uh, which was uh, a little unique. And the next generation, you know, what's it going to be? Is it going to be AI? Is it going to be VR, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, quantum computing, the but technology? Yeah. Yeah. All of these things. And, you know, and, and, and technology has played, you know, you think of technology as being something that just happened, but it's, you know, this is, you know, the, the broad definition of technology takes you way back. And it, it changed, you know, the, even the agrarian hmm. way of life through technological breakthroughs, and you know, obviously the telephone and electricity and all of these other things that have enabled all the technology that has come yeah. since. But it changed every generation in some fashion. I, you know, I maybe back to the Stone Age. I don't know. We didn't go back that far. You didn't. I, I would be impressed if you could interview somebody from well. the Stone Age, and knowing you, you probably could. So uh, yeah, this this idea that technology, you know, it's, it's a very ancient Greek word, uh, and it goes all the way back then, and the application of technology to solve problems is what humans have, have been great at. I think the thing that we can see even across the podcast is the speed with, with which new technology transforms the experiences of the generation. And is adapted not just by that newest generation, but as you're saying, Everybody. back up through yeah. the previous generations. Yeah. You know, grandmas do FaceTime from from France and talk to my grandchildren in, in Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, sure, sometimes you have to tell her how to log on, but most of the time she can do it herself. We've discussed the characteristics of different generations and some of the uniquenesses, some of the similarities and differences. Next, we'll explore the impact on these differences on marketing communications.
We're going to take a short break. Be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem-solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Ivan Pollard, the leader of our Marketing Communications Center. Okay, so Ivan, we're talking about these, you know, the, the podcasts that deal with the various generations and, you know, the individuals who have represented that. Now, there is a huge implication for marketing communications in this because you have all of these generations now living at one time. They're all consumers of one sort or another. So if as a marketing and communications expert, how do you sort all this? Well, I think it's a super good question. Um, you know, it, to start off with a, a kind of a basic truth, if you're a marketer, you're going to look to exploit all of the differences between the groups so that you can target. But you're also going to be looking to exploit all the similarities so that you can be more efficient. Um, so the one thing that I think I have a slight problem with with these labels of, you know, these are tens of millions of people who are in the millennials or Gen Z or the baby boomers tens of millions of them and that begs the question about whether mass marketing still has a role to play and I think it does I think we have through the digital age because of this possibility to connect personally um, I do think that we've forgotten that sometimes you can sell a product or an idea or a belief to tens of millions of people and when you're dealing at that level, I do think then these labels are, are pretty good. Having said that, they're not as good as life stages. So, well, you've talked before about it being a target. You know, think mm. of it as you know an archery target with a with a bullseye in the center and outer rings, and and you know the generations being maybe in various places on that target. Is that an apt metaphor? Um, I think it was maybe. 30 years ago when we didn't have the possibility to address an individual with a personalized message with an economic component to it that made it worthwhile doing. Um, so I still think it is important that you can think about targets. I think where we slightly strayed off the, the straight and narrow as a media guy was we, we thought that digital would cut out wastage, that that target, all I ever wanted was to reach the bullseye. For some people, that may be true. There may be some businesses where you know exactly the moment in time and the person to whom you need to sell and to advertise to or market to anybody else is a waste of your time. For most businesses, though, those people in the target are the ones that you want worth most to you. Well, the next group are not worthless. They're just worth less. Yeah, but, and, and you need, you know, you need some of them. But, but you know, you made an you're making an interesting point because if you think about it more on the B2B side, you know, yeah. where there are specific 
things that you're selling or a service that you're selling or you know if you're selling a plane you know you you don't want mass marketing for that but if you're still in the b2c business and you're trying to reach you know more than one demographic there may be a bullseye but you know you also want you know the collateral generations to participate yeah. too yeah so i used to work for a company that sold soda for a living that was focused entirely on teenagers um and yet i know a lot of people some of them sitting in this room who quite happily drink diet coca-cola or the original coca-cola um and if you get too targeted, you, st you, you start to disappear from the fabric of society. And if you're a brand that big, I think that's going to cost you. The other thing I think that's happened when you talk about the technology, Steve, over time, is we used to deal in opportunities to see, for instance, if you were constructing an advertising campaign, for instance, or you know your response level on your direct mail campaigns. And it was all about contact. I do think now the whole paradigm of marketing has, it's not shifted, but it's more, uh, uh, more executable to connect rather than just contact. So customer service used to connect when I was a young boy growing up and wanting to return my training shoes because they fell apart. I could connect. Nowadays you could do that, and especially with the application now of AI and content, generative AI and some of the things it can do for content. You can create real connections with people, especially when Gen Z is spending half the day on the telephone, for instance. So those connections, I think, can be leveraged. Yeah, but it doesn't, and, but, and, it doesn't and, rule out the need for a brand, though. But, but still, the generations do play a role. I mean, if you're trying to use borrowed equity, for example, yeah. um, you know, you, you use, I mean, I'm just thinking about pop groups or, yeah. you know, whatever the, you know, you're, you don't use, current musicians or current you know singers in order to hit you know the, the the silent generation and and vice versa so there there is something in marketing communications that you have to be relevant yeah. and break through to what's kind of familiar to them yeah yeah and so building off you know the the basis of of what connects them so i th i do think this is where to go backwards then these life stages and these labels these generational things they do tell you the things that have affected the way they think and feel. And you've got to remember, the older you are, the more ingrained your behaviours, so the harder it is to change. There are brands you love and brands you've never heard of, so there's opportunities to switch or new news. And there's also um, influences on you that you can tap into. So, you know, you, you show me uh, a video of Pele reconstituted in real life you know bless his soul he's passed on now but you could use generative ai to have him advertise to me personally you know which which pop i need to drink tonight yeah so that that's part of it. you made another uh, comment earlier um that i want to come back to and that is that the generations are uh, more similar at the same life stage than they you know than they are different talk about that because that that's something that, that was a hypothesis going into this yeah and i think um you can literally I, I would urge you to do what steve said you know just listen to some just excerpts even of of the six podcasts um and you will hear common themes repeated where you could almost pick it up and put it in the voice of one of the other podcasters and go here's a 10 year old talking like a baby boomer did in 1970. If that baby boomer was Prince Charles, for instance. We have a 10-year-old girl in, 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 in Europe 
saying, hey, you baby boomers, climate change. You, you mess this up and you're going to leave it us, to us to fix it. And yet it was the baby boomers who, you know, established Earth Day and the very first standards yeah. and, you know, marched and all that. So, but, so it is. So a, a lot of the behaviors, as you said, yeah. that, that we ascribe to this current generation, whatever that is, Gen Z or millennials, are the same things that were said about baby, you know, us in the beginning yeah. of our careers and same thing. So there is a lot of similarity here just because of the age and, and people do. There are differences, of course, and that's, as you say, impacted by events around you, the times, the technology, you know, and, and changing societal norms, all, all of that. Fair? Fair, very fair. And you, you touch on a really brilliant point, Steve, which is there are those, sim you remember I said exploit the similarities. So here we are, baby boomers sitting in the studio with brilliant technology capturing a podcast that people will listen to on their smartphones when they want to. And yet inside both of us is that young 10-year-old kid that, sure, we collected baseball cards, but we also cared that the tiger was going to go extinct before our kids grew up. And that's exactly what the Gen Alpha kid was saying. Hey, inside you is me. And you could touch that nerve again. And you mentioned pop music. It may be a different singer, but it was still pop music and what it felt like to sing at the top of your lungs as you're riding your bike down the street at four in the morning, waking up all the neighbors. There are behaviors that we, we have already done that this group today are doing. And, and some great marketing comes when you tap into those fundamental shared experiences. You know, we talk about marketing, you know, and that's, that uh, has one target group, you know, theoretically customers, but we, we live in a multi-stakeholder world, customers, employees, owners, environment. And so the marketing and communications elements not only need to be thinking about your, your customer, but need to be thinking about this broad consumer mm -hmm. of your communication and all of those across multiple generations. How does a marketer or, you know, a chief communications officer, how, how should she balance all of that. So I think this has been one of the evolutions of the way marketers and communicators need to think. We used to think about message from sent to target audience. Now it's a much more shared kind of network, a neural network of interconnected messaging that you no longer control, but you can catalyze and you can focus and um, I think you have to acknowledge, if you're not thinking about all of your stakeholders when you create any single piece of, of marketing and thinking about how they're going to respond, you're not doing your job. Well, this is an example with Bud Light, who mm. was trying to communicate to one demographic, but it wasn't thinking about the impact on on other constituents in this right and and I, you know i'm not trying to say one was right and one was wrong but it was just it, there was the unintended consequences yeah. and those unintended consequences you know we all have to plan for those that's why we need to think about all the time insights for what's ahead is critical and you, the what if scenarios and what the heck scenarios you, those things you've got to plan for um, and we shouldn't pick on Bud Light. We've all done it. I've done it in, in some of the things that I've uh, stood behind. But, you, but, it, but again, it was a blind spot on the generations yeah. and this multi-constituency. And so you, you have to be thinking about every part of it. And don't think that just because you, you did 
that particular influencer just in this particular digital channel that it's not going to get picked up and shared. That's the big difference for a marketer these days. I is remember nothing when I was, is controlled. Well, I remember when I was uh, marketing Quaker Oats and the demographic skewed 55 plus and we said, oh, this is terrible. We're going to lose this market because don't you know those people are going to die and it's going to go away. We've got to appeal to the young generation and the mistake in that is that there will always be 55 plus people and so you know it's it's a matter of trying to understand your market and and understand the generational piece of this yeah. and, and and so forth and the dynamics of it steve like you point out my father once said to me don't worry boy there are always fresh consumers in the marketplace yeah and in, in various places so okay you know final point what remaining advice do you have to marketing communication professionals as they try to communicate and motivate and market to each of these groups? So I, I think never give up the fundamentals of marketing. Those principles remain the same. Who are you talking to? What's important? What's relevant, as you said, but, but what's different and valuable about what it is that you have to say to that group? So you need empathy with the people and the situation they're in, and you need an understanding, not just of the moment in time, but of all of, all of the experiences that have crafted the way their beliefs and their behaviors can get affected by you. So they're the principles, they stay the same. The practices, if you're not right up on the leading edge, you're gonna get beaten. So think about how you can apply all of that lovely knowledge that you've got about the insight to the consumer group and the magic of your brand and its valuable difference in the marketplace but apply it through the things that are the, the most effective and the most efficient to get you the biggest return on your money. Remember, marketing is about driving growth for a business and it's about doing that profitably. And when in doubt, call Ivan Pollard at the conference for, for some great advice. If you'd like, I'm always open so long as you are a member. Ivan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Yeah, and thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover leading topics in economics, geopolitics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with every generation you know. I know they're gonna wanna listen. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.